Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that poses the question, we all have mental health, how's yours? Mapping Healthy Minds is sponsored by Compass Counseling, and I'm Justin Lewis. At this point, we therapists have been working primarily through telehealth for several weeks now. Earlier episodes talk about this some, but today's episode focuses on how trauma work can be done through the computer. Jill Terhune is trained to provide EMDR services and has found that it translates well over the computer. She talks about this in detail, and we also discuss other ways telehealth has been working to this point. Here's my interview with Jill. You're very much in quarantine. Yeah, um, I went home for the first time yesterday. Just got my mail. Um, I had some birthday gifts in there. So my birthday was not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And so, or maybe, I don't know, I'm losing track of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the weekends don't really matter anymore because I have my daughter full time and, you know, right. not leaving the house. But it's beautiful here, so that helps a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. My r- routine really has been not too far off from what it was before as far as where I am. Um, you know, we, we do everything tele these days. Um, so that is obviously different than it was, but. Yeah. We're lucky to be able to still work. I have quite a few friends that aren't working anymore. Yeah. It is nice that we can work and do things like this over the computer. Had a meeting with my accountant over the computer. So really, (laughs) yeah. So, um, we've been trying to do therapy this way as we've, as we've mentioned and, um, pretty much trying to do kind of the same type of work that we would do otherwise to the best that we can. And, um, so you do a lot of trauma work. And so I think there's kind of a question mark on how that was going to play out. You can stop me if I'm incorrect at this at all no no I think you're right I think you know there was some hesitancy on well of course now um, we don't have a choice but I think there was um, some concern that maybe individuals who have like attachment problems or have been through complex trauma that it may be difficult to transition to um, doing telehealth as opposed to kind of being together in the office because of course um that type of trauma-focused treatment, you know, and, and I would argue any any kind of um, therapy necessitates kind of a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I think there was some concern that if we didn't have the control of kind of being in our office, then and if, or um, if we yeah. you know weren't kind of actually sitting with the person and having that physical presence, that that may um, change the dynamics of. Um, the therapeutic process, which it does, but to be honest with you, not as much as I would have thought initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really found that, you know, I'm able to do trauma-focused treatment, EMDR, um, you know, with individuals that have experienced complex trauma effectively through telehealth. Do you think part of that is people know they don't have another choice? Like they're kind of accepting that in, in general and culture altogether. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, um, 
even when I first started doing full-time telehealth with this um, recent shutdown, um, that was kind of the way that I was conceptualizing it is, yeah, I would prefer to be face-to-face, but gosh, I'm so glad we have this option so that that treatment isn't interrupted. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that's part of the initial buy-in. I don't think that that has to do with the efficacy. Do you think that there is um, particular trauma that's coming out of this experience uh, that you're looking for as a trauma specialist type therapist? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not sure we have seen the full extent of it in uh, like this rural area of the U.S., but Mm -hmm. um, we are definitely going through a global trauma right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, not to get into the details, of what's going on, but there, there are lots of people that are losing their lives. And I think even just thinking about the fact that anyone who does lose their life, even in the U S right now, can't have what we would call a typical funeral, you know, mm-hmm. like what we are, what we're used to. Sure. Um, it's really scary. And um, the changes have happened so rapidly in, and you know, like changes a trigger for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. when you feel like you don't have control over that change. Um, it can really bring up, times in your life in the past where you felt like you didn't have a sense of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's just scary for a lot of people. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> there are a lot of things that we can't change. I've tried to reframe that with a lot of people because in this case, um, you know, there are some things that we do have a lot more control over than some other tragedies worldwide or nationwide tragedies that have occurred. You know, like a lot of people, when 9-11 happened, you know, it was very traumatic. There's very little to nothing we can do about, you know, the fears of day to day. But mm-hmm. we actually do have a little bit of control on whether or not we expose ourselves to anyone else or, um, you know, the way we live our life is going to make an impact on just how severe this is. So, there, yeah. you know, I try to reframe it as this piece of um, the tragedy that or traumatic event that we do have some sort of power over. But you're sure. right, as as the whole, it's, there just seems like an overwhelming amount of stuff going on that is outside our normal. Well, and, you know, I've had, I've had quite a few people that are like, you know, I'm actually pretty um, grateful for the forced slowdown, you know, mm-hmm. kind of getting out of the rat race, um, mm-hmm. getting back, you know, home. Um, and I think... I think in times like these, it's inevitable that um, we kind of hone in on what's most important in our lives. And, and that, and that's, you know, and in some ways that's a very beautiful thing as well. Sure. I've had couples that were very concerned about (laughs) what it's going to be like being around each other so much, (laughs) but it's actually turned out to be uh, a good thing in many ways that they were able to connect. So, yeah. Um, is there any, so we're going to move a little bit. This is interesting because we just recorded a podcast on um, kind of trauma and treating trauma mm-hmm. um, before all this happened and then decided we would try this um, about how it might be a little bit different. And maybe even if somebody has some concerns coming into starting therapy, they may know that um, they can still be treated for the same type of things. And uh, you've done a little bit of, extra training on this um, recently. So I was wondering if there's anything in particular that stood out to you from that. Yeah, I think, um, 
I mean, so one of the most obvious concerns when it comes to doing like EMDR through telehealth is how are we going to do the bilateral stimulation, right? How are we going to do the eye movement? Um, If somebody likes that tactile bilateral stimulation with the little buzzies that I have, like how are we going to do that? Um, And I even have some clients that they they don't take as well to the eye movement or the tactile and they like the auditory. And so um, it's a highly individualized process. And um, at first it was... um, kind of hard to figure out which kind of mechanism we would use to do that through this. And, but, um, but I don't think it's a question of, um, do we do EMDR, but how, Mm. um, you know, especially in light of the fact that, um, this, you know, this quarantine, this shutdown is going (laughs) to be going on all the way through April, um, and you know, it's just really important, especially for clients that I maybe like was right in the middle of the process with them that we continue right. because it's almost like kind of opening a box. And, um, even though it's, um, therapeutic and we're going into those wounds to heal them, like it's still like, they're kind of in the messy middle in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for people who are coming, coming in, I mean, there's tons of stuff that we can do um, to, that work before the work piece that we kind of talked about in the last podcast and then, you know, get on into the trauma processing. But um, just to talk a little bit about what I have found with the bilateral stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found an app. It's free. It's called EMDR kit. And I have, um, my clients download it, and if they have Bluetooth headphones, we can do auditory bilateral stimulation that way. Um, it's a little bit complicated because typically they have to have that on one device and then talk to me on another device because we can't do them both at the same time. Um, but I have done um, trauma processing with multiple clients without bilateral stimulation at all, so that's just prolonged exposure. Um, that's been effective as well, not as effective. Um, I would say that it's you know, the feedback that I'm getting is it's not as, um, as quick for some, um, but it still is very therapeutic. Um, but recently I've had clients tapping their own knees while we're doing it. Um, and that's actually been very effective. Um, I think that it, it's, um, does a really kind of similar, similar thing as, as having those, um, tactile bilateral simulators in your hands. Okay. Did you have any concerns about like how it might play out um, whenever you first started all this? Like you might have some barriers to that. For sure. Like when it first started, I noticed like some of my clients um, were canceling their appointments or even just like not showing up for their appointments. And I think, (laughs) you know, one of the things that comes up if you've had a lot of um, trauma is, um, that disconnect with the self is really prominent and it's, it's kind of hard to maybe see a reflection of yourself, even though it's just this small video. Mm. Like I think there's a tendency for all of us to kind of like look at what we look like. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, um, and that can be really triggering in and of itself. And like I said, you know, any kind of changes is difficult, especially if you've gone through a lot of trauma. Um, and you know, I, I thought it was really valid for the few clients that I've, that I'm working with that maybe have attachment problems because of childhood trauma or, or um, adulthood trauma to say, you know, I feel like a little, like disappointed, you know, that we kind of built this bond and then now we're having to go to this other kind of platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think, 
I think that really comes back to like a sense of um, abandonment, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I really try to kind of help those individuals understand, like maybe even through a little bit of self-disclosure at this point that, you know, I'm not seeing my mom. Like I didn't see anybody on my birthday, you know, like I'm not like, it's not like I'm choosing to not see you in particular, right? Like this is <laughs> right. something that is happening for all of us. Um, and, and, um, that I, I would, I would like to be able to be in person with you as well, but I, I want to, I don't want you to lose, um, mm -hmm. the progress that we've made or to kind of sever this therapeutic connection right now because of what's going on. Because, you know, especially since we have this capability to do telehealth, um, and, and I was kind of, that was my main concern is that people would fall off and some have. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I, I'm trying to work diligently to, to, uh, you know, take care of my own mental health through this process and as well as make sure that I'm reaching out and, um, you know, letting people know that they can still kind of access this, this treatment because what I have noticed that's been really problematic is a lot of my older adults are, are struggling with, with the telehealth more. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it's, if, if people would just, you know, get on the phone with me, you know, I can walk them through it. It's, you know, I think, I think in starting anything new is hard, but, um, once you have all this, all of it set up, it's, it's really simple. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, the, the same people that have the courage to walk through the front door of a the uh, counseling office, I think, um, couldn't have the gumption to, to figure this out. Uh, for the most part, it's just if they believe in themselves to kind of take that chance. And well, I'm I in this balance of trying to respect the fact that it's uncomfortable and not ideal, but still try to be positive about it. You know, like I don't want to be like, if they don't want to do it, I don't want to try to push them into it or whatever. You know. Sure. Um, Sure. I mean, you don't want to push anybody. Into so you got to validate the fact that it is a little bit intimidating for someone. It's good to, you know, the same way that it's easy for us to come in the side door all the time. You know, it's kind of intimidating for somebody to come to the front door of, a, of an office whenever we're doing our brick and mortar thing. So. Um, well, and I agree, you know, and I, I am like my mom, she's um, over 70 and, um, you know, she has always kind of struggled with technology, but she's always had one of us kids be able to like swoop in mm -hmm. and just fix it or whatever. But now it, she's quarantined on her own. And, you know, I've spent quite a while on the phone helping her with like different technological issues so that she can get her social needs met. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it just really hit me, you know, like, how, how much of a privilege it is to have just grown up with this stuff. Like stuff comes intuitively to me. Like, you know, for example, like if I'm looking at my phone and I don't see an option for something, like I'll touch the screen and then notice that other things come up. But I mean, if sure. I hadn't grown up with that, you know, you just look at it and you're like, there's no buttons here. Like, I don't know what to do with this, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think there's a term for that, like natives and something like that technology natives and, Anyways, I'm not going down that road, but you're right. There is a lot of uh, benefit in having that technology already instilled in your brain, especially during times like this. I'm sure a lot of people can feel kind of even more helpless if they're isolated and then don't have that extra outlet to, to get that connection outside. But I will say too that um, like when we're talking about building that safe space, a lot of times people's homes are their safe space. And so mm -hmm. um, that has been something that I've noticed as well that, you know, people 
um, once they once they get the app on their phone or their computer and and we're actually talking face to face that um, that the therapy is effective. It's just that piece of like of getting to that point that yeah, it's that transition point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've done trauma-sensitive yoga through telehealth now. Uh, I've done expressive arts through telehealth if they have the resources on their end. Um, you know, I think I think with how long this shutdown is going on, I wouldn't want to deter anyone who needed therapy away from therapy. I think, you know, it kind of hearing the process – um, especially prior to the actual trauma processing, you, you can understand how that could easily be done through telehealth, you know, just sure. the protocols that we use and the questions that are, um, that are posited, like, you know, what's the issue that you want to work on? And, um, you know, what is a recent experience that really symbolizes that issue? And that could be anything from hearing a song on the radio that, you know, kind of made you cry or feel a certain way to not being able to sleep last night or something like that. And then, you know, I, I just asked them what's the image that represents the worst part of that. And, um, what negative belief are you having about yourself? Um, what are the emotions? Where do you feel that in your body? And then let's flip back to an earlier time when you may have felt that way before and just notice what comes to mind, you know? And so we're really able to map out those memory networks. We're able to you know, talk about other situations that trigger that problem for you in your current life and mm-hmm. um, kind of mapping out a future template of how you'd like to respond to that in the future and talk about what your resources are, you know, and that's a big part of, uh, of EMDR and doing that kind of trauma focused treatment. And so that really hasn't, hasn't changed at all. And, um, you know, I think even when we're getting into the, into the, um, the trauma processing piece, you know, where people are really just, sitting with their trauma and crying into the camera, you know, and, mm. and I'm, I'm holding that space with them. I'm still able to, you know, um, even offer those cognitive interviews of like, um, you know, what do you wish you'd known then that, you know, now, or, um, you know, really kind of be with them in that way. I think, you know, one of the things that concerns me just a little bit is that I feel like as a therapist, a lot of times I rely a lot on nonverbals. So like, mm-hmm. even right now, like all I can see of you is like from your shoulders up, right? And that's the way that it is um, when I'm working yeah. with a client. So if they were like, if they say they were like wringing their hands in their lap, sure. or tapping their foot, you know, I wouldn't see those kinds of things. Um but um, I did go to a training last week where they kind of addressed, or not go, but I went to an online training <laughs> yeah, um, right. where um, they kind of talked about a little bit of that. And um, she kind of recommended like using your felt sense. And I guess what she was saying by that is like, you can, you can tell like, yeah. even when you're just, even when you're just seeing someone's face, like if you're sitting with them, like you can tell like when yeah. stuff is coming up for them. Um, mm-hmm. And I have had a few times where I'm like, I can see there's a little bit of emotion coming up there and there and like, Oh no, like I was just like wiping my eye because you know I have allergies or something like that. But that happened. Right. <laughs> I've done sessions, so you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's another, another thing to remember like, like misunderstandings and you know, kind of stumbles happen when we're face to face too. So it's not all about that telehealth um, barrier. But yeah. yeah, I think you're right. A lot of um, a lot of that being able to pick up emotion can be done. Um, through this it's just a learning experience for 
everybody involved. Yeah. And I will say like, um, kind of particularly with telehealth, you know, I have, I have some clients that, you know, ha- have to go out into their car to find a place that's, mm-hmm. um, that's secure or private. You know, I have, I have some clients that, um, some of the things that they want to work through, they don't necessarily want to do it in their house where their other family members are. Um, even if they're in the bedroom and their family members are in the living room, like it's still kind of hard to just have that <laughs> catharsis, you know, sure. um, and it may even be a somewhat about somebody else that's still there. Right. So <laughs> it's really hard. Um, yeah. And I think too, like sometimes, and I, I've been guilty of this before, like where I'm maybe talking to like a family member on the phone, like, and I'm pacing around my room. It's really <laughs> difficult to kind of um, be able to track someone and, and feel present with them if they don't sit down and like have mm-hmm. a secure space um, and are still, but I think that is something that is more easily kind of controlled in the office space. Um, so, so that's, that's one thing that I've kind of, um, noticed, but you know, again, that's just anxiety. That's just wanting to move your body and it kind of expel that energy. And so I think it just takes time to kind of acclimate yourself to this new platform. But at the end of all of my sessions, whether we do trauma processing or not, I do relaxation exercises, do grounding because it's, it's just like taking off this outer layer when you come into a therapist office and, yeah. or even, you know, having a session via telehealth, it's still like, you know, you're talking about things that you may not talk about with anybody else. Um, but I've um, noticed that it has been really interesting in the way that I've been able to ground people. Like for example, um, last week I had a client and she was sitting in front of her bookshelf um, and tons of books. And, you know, when we, when we transitioned to maybe doing the relaxation exercises, you know, instead I just kind of started asking her about like her favorite books and, mm. um, you know, which one that maybe she hasn't read in a long time and that she'd like to kind of get back into. And that was really grounding for her, you know? Um, mm. and I think you can use like the visual space to kind of bring people back to the present, but also like, we all have like kind of special mementos around us in our homes usually. Um, so that's one way to really kind of ground people and help them relax at the end of the session. And so, um, and I mean, typically people are going right back home after they um, are in my office as well. And they're still, still processing it. Usually like after you do EMDR, you're, ha- you know, you're, you're having dreams about it at night. Um, you're thinking about things you hadn't thought about in a while, especially for the next couple of days anyway. So I think that piece is kind of similar. Yeah. That's a really good idea to uh, use, use the space that they're in to kind of help them uh, come down. They talk in school about us using the here and now, um, whatever's in our office or whatever is we've been talking about or whatever their job might be or however you want to like cover the here and now with that very unique client. And uh, we're in a position now where, you know, that's a very unique way to, to come down is to make it especially personalized. You know, therapy in a lot of ways is about making what's implicit explicit. And like, I think as therapists, we really help people do that. Sometimes people can kind of do that on their own. Um, but then it's about making it relational. And so, um, you know, I think being able to see the other person's face is really pivotal. So um, yeah, it's pretty different than having like a phone conversation, um, you know, and I, I think you know, people are kind of having, you know, these intense therapeutic reactions through this medium as well. And, um, and I'm really, really glad to see that. Mm -hmm. 
we're learning how to do this kind of um, I've got experience, you've got experience, but like all week long, <laughs> you know, we don't have that kind of experience. So we're kind of learning quickly as we go um, as well. And I think that we're getting better at understanding how to do this and what ways to adjust to this so that the client can know that we are um, understanding that it's going to be um, slightly different, but we've, we're figuring out ways to make it the most the same as we can. So, um, I agree with that. You know, it just like hit me last week, like after the training and, you know, she was getting questions from people over in Europe and, um, mm -hmm. you know, all, all around the, the United States. And she was actually stationed in um, DC. And I was just like, wow, like, you know, I know as much about this as most, you know, I was like, right. I don't know if, I wouldn't call myself like an expert in telehealth or anything like that, but I'm like, you know, I mean, I, I, I've been doing this. Like I yeah. already, we already have all of this in place and yeah, right. I'm still learning, but I think like in a lot of ways, like our organization is, uh, you know, kind of the leaders in, in regards mm -hmm. to this, um, telehealth movement. <laughs> I would have never known, um, that in February, when I did my 15-hour training on telehealth, it was going to pay off so quickly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with how effective it has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's like really encouraging people to, um, you know, to continue to seek treatment, you know, even though telehealth is our only option right now, um, that it can be effective. There's lots of things we can do to help with coping, um, even processing things um, in the session that, you know, may be very difficult. So um, I know it takes a lot of courage, but, you know, we're here to help. I second that. This has been Mapping Healthy Minds, and I'm your host, Justin Lewis. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a review while there. Please know this podcast is not to substitute for professional counseling. For personalized therapy, contact us at www.compasscounselingky.com, and there you can find all the information you need about us and the phone number to contact us via call or text. Mapping Healthy Minds is brought to you by Compass Counseling. And until next week, remember, we all have mental health. How's yours?